Good morning. Thanks for being here. So glad you guys are healthy and here with us this morning. Um, if you would stand with us, we're going to sing. And just want to sing praises to the Lord this morning. I'm going to just say a quick prayer. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house with our brothers and sisters. We just are blessed to have this opportunity. Those of us who have missed out on that from being sick and things, we just appreciate it all the more. And we thank you, God, that you promised in your word that when we gather together in your name that you would be there with us. So we just ask that you would help our hearts to just be really aware of your presence here this morning, that we wouldn't take it lightly, that we would just take this moment to pause everything that's bothering us, everything that's been distracting us from you throughout the week, God, and just to recenter ourselves on your presence. We are just so grateful that you are Emmanuel, the God with us. We just thank you, God. Amen. This morning, we're going to praise him as we do every Sunday. Let's do it.
45, um, verses 11 through 13. And it says, they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all the people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all the generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all the promises and faithful in all he does. Amen.
You may be seated. We're going to sing a special song for you guys.
thank you for sharing that special song with us this morning. Keeping up with the theme of the morning. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's wonderful to see all of you, so many of you that we've been praying for as you've been at home, maybe sick, a little under the weather. Um, It's just good to see you. I think we had twice as many in here today than we did last week, and that's always good. So it's just wonderful to see you guys. Uh, We're going to kind of switch things up around just a little bit. Um, Normally we enter into a time of prayer, but I'm going to save kind of the majority of that till the end um, as a response and just a, a special time of prayer as that's what our focus is on today, so we're going to dive right in, Uh, but first I am going to pause and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Would you pray that with me? God, we center ourselves before you this morning, and we open up our hearts to you, Lord. God, we just pause. We just pause, and we drown out distractions And we just open ourselves up to you. Lord, would you just speak to us what we need to hear from you this morning? God, I just pray that when it comes to prayer, that we would just kind of push all of our preconceived ideas to the side and that we would just hear a fresh word from you. God, reignite our imaginations through your word this morning. Show us what a life of, pra- of passionate prayer can look like for us. God, I just pray that you would bless this word that's been prepared and that you truly would speak to every heart in this room and that's watching this morning. God, speak to us your message for your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing a series that we began a few weeks ago, as you can see, called Organic Disciples. A few weeks ago we talked about what this life of discipleship looks like, and and you can always refer back to that just to kind of refresh your memory as we go on throughout this series. Um, but, But right now what we're doing is we are really looking closely at seven markers of spiritual growth. In other words, these are seven things that we think that have been identified as important Important markers in the life of a disciple of Jesus. In your life, these ought to be things that you are doing, things that you're thinking about. And if you're not doing some of these things, then the challenge is to begin thinking about and praying about how you can do more of these things and how you can identify these things in your life. And so last week we talked with a we talked about a pretty good foundation that we need to build upon, and that is the Bible. And we talked about the importance of Bible engagement in the life of a disciple of Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about passionate prayer. A marker of spiritual growth is passionate prayer. So let me just ask you this morning, what, what comes to mind when you hear that phrase, passionate prayer? I'm just curious. I just want you to be thinking about that. What do you think of when you hear those words, passionate prayer? What does passionate prayer even look like to you? Just think about that. Get that at the front of your mind for a moment. As you think about what passionate prayer looks like, maybe some of you might say, well, it looks like praying in in a, a secluded space in a room or a prayer closet. Maybe for some of you, passionate prayer looks like recording your your thoughts and your prayers to God in a prayer journal. 
that that's what passionate prayer, pouring your heart onto the page and just communicating your thoughts to God. Maybe for some of you, passionate prayer looks like hitting your knees every morning and every night, communing with God, spending those moments with him. Maybe for some of you, passionate prayer looks like gathering your family into the living room and spending time praying together as a unit, as a family, reminding yourselves who is the head of this family, Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it's important that you set aside certain times a day where you can just get alone with the Lord, where you're in a secluded place and you just offer up your praises and your prayers and your thanksgivings to him quietly in a solitary place throughout the day. Maybe for some of you, passionate prayer, and this is confession, this is the one that I want to get better at. This is the one that I just like, I want to be one of those people that gets up early, early in the morning and just has like this unended, uninterrupted time of silence, not just like a few quick minutes before we get the kids up, but like a, a, a long extended period of time. I'm thinking like an hour would be amazing and I work towards that. But maybe for some of you, that's a non-negotiable. That passionate prayer looks like getting up real early in the morning before anyone else is up and you're in the living room, in your room, whatever, by yourself and you're just spending time in the Lord's presence before you go on with your hectic, crazy day, that that is, is key, that's important, and you have to do that before you do anything else. What does passionate prayer look like to you? It, maybe it's one of those things that I just mentioned, or maybe there's something that passionate prayer comes to mind, something comes to mind that I didn't even mention, and that's okay, and I want you to know that we're not really trying to identify a right or wrong answer when it comes to passionate prayer and how you feel like you are praying passionately. But here's what I want us to kind of address and acknowledge this morning. Do any of you ever feel guilty because for you, prayer doesn't always look like one of those things I just mentioned? Be honest. Be super honest. Do you sometimes find yourself feeling guilty because your prayer life doesn't look a certain way? I do. Can I just acknowledge that? I do. I, I will be super honest and vulnerable with you and tell you that all the time I'm just thinking of what my prayer life doesn't look like, not really focusing on what it does look like, but I'm thinking about what I'm not doing and, and how I want to be doing these things. I think, oh, I just want more of a structured, official, organized prayer time. Do you ever find yourself feeling that way? I can't help but wonder that that we, even though we mean well in our very best effort to make sure we're getting this prayer thing right, if you will, I wonder if we sometimes or oftentimes overcomplicate it. Do you think we do that? <laughs> I think we do that with a lot of things, so it's probably safe to say that, that at times I think we overcomplicate prayer and what it ought to look like. And so this morning, we're going to start with how we're going to start each of these uh, weeks as we are identifying these seven markers of spiritual growth. We always start with looking to Jesus and learning from Jesus. That's kind of what we're calling the movement, movement number one. We're learning from Jesus. So in other words, what did prayer look like for Jesus? What did Jesus' prayer life look like? What did communication or communion with God the Father look like for Jesus? And I think if I could just give you like a short, simple answer to begin with, 
I think prayer for Jesus was as essential as breathing. And in some ways that seems like simplifying it too much, but I think that when you look at the Gospels, and we're going to kind of look at some of those instances in a moment, but, but think about it. I, think, I truly think prayer for Jesus, communion with God for Jesus, was as essential for him as his next breath, that he was in constant communication and communion with God as he moved throughout his ministry, working with God the Father. I think that Jesus lived every bit of the words of Paul that we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. I know that these words came later, that Paul was looking to Jesus and, and learning from Jesus, and, and Paul is speaking as someone who is, is filled with Jesus' spirit, and so we know that Jesus came before Paul and Jesus wasn't looking to Paul, right? But I think what Paul writes and what Paul says to us, I think Jesus did this in every way. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, this is just a small portion of that verse, but Paul says simply, pray continually. Rejoice always, pray continually. That's the NIV, but I pulled a few other versions just so you could really get an idea of what he's trying to say. The NLT says it like this, never stop praying. The NRSV, pray without ceasing. The message, simply pray all the time. There you go. Pray all the time. The Greek, the original Greek language looked something like this. It was one of these variations. Offer prayer, worship, pray to God incessantly without any unnecessary um, interval, unceasingly without remission. That's something along the lines of what the original Greek language looks like. And I think Jesus did this. Right? I absolutely think that Jesus did this. For Jesus, prayer was not some burdensome task or project. Prayer was not something that Jesus was always like, oh, I, I, I got to go pray now. You know, it wasn't this burdensome thing for him. But Jesus spoke to the Father often, always, probably continually. From simple moments like just thanking God for a meal and asking God to bless this, this small meal for, for thousands of people to, to bigger things like, like praying and calling out, asking God to break into the world with his miraculous power. Whatever it was, prayer was as normal for Jesus as breathing. When we look at the Gospels, as I was thinking about this this week, I thought, this is what a prayer in the life of Jesus looked like. I know we've got several generations in here, and some for some, this is just not going to click at all for you. You're just, it's not going to make any sense. You're not going to understand it. But, but I just want to share with you that you know YouTube, right? We're all pretty familiar with YouTube, whether you've ever gotten on the YouTubes or you've just heard people talk about YouTube. But one of the most popular videos that are uploaded to YouTube are these videos that are called Day in the Life videos. And even if you're totally not interested in someone else's life, like, why would I want to watch what someone else is doing in a day. For some of you, I know you're like, that's a ridiculous waste of time. But for a lot of people, they crave these kinds of videos. I don't fully understand why either, but I just know that they do, that these are among the most popular videos uploaded to YouTube. And, and there's all kinds of these, from, from the day in the life of a doctor, or, or day in the life of a stay-at-home mom, or, or whatever, everything in between. These are videos that people crave, and there's research 
research as to why, and that research basically says that people crave simple, relatable content. In other words, yeah, it's fascinating to watch how, how really wealthy people live and the extravagant, ridiculous things they do, but overall, I just want to have something that I can relate to. I just want to watch something where I find myself feeling like, oh, I can relate to that. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I do that too. Oh, that's so nice to know someone else does that. It's relatable, and that's what people like. And so I was thinking about that as I was thinking about prayer in the life of Jesus because there really is no um, specific day in the life of Jesus because every day looked different for Jesus, and you really couldn't predict what was going to happen that day, what crazy, amazing thing was going to happen. And so while we may not be able to nail down a day in the life of Jesus, you could, but, but we're going to focus on prayer in the life of Jesus. Just get a glimpse into Jesus and what his prayer life looked like. And so as I was going through the Gospels this week and, and just really leaning on other resources, I found that, that there's everything from brief praises and thanksgivings where Jesus would just stop and he would just break out in praise to God, offering up praises to God. And, and we're going to give you lots of verses. We're just referencing these, okay? You can write them down if you want. Just know that we're just quickly referencing these. But, but in places like Matthew chapter 11, there's this moment where Jesus just abruptly starts praising the Father for something as simple as, God, thank you for making yourself known. Thank you that you make yourself known to people that they can know you. He just breaks out in this praise. In Matthew 14, Jesus, as we referenced a few minutes ago, prays over this small lunch, this small, insignificant lunch that some young boy offered up to be used, and Jesus prays over this meal and asks God to bless this meal. In John chapter 11, in the story of Lazarus, just before the stone is removed and Lazarus is going to be raised back to life, Jesus pauses and out loud, he thanks the Father. He thanks God for hearing him. He says something along the lines of, God, thank you. Thank you that you have heard me, that you have offered this, this healing, this new life, and thank you that this is being done so that others will know that you are God, that this is being done to glorify you. There's all kinds of moments where Jesus just pauses and abruptly breaks out in praise and thanksgiving to God. There's moments in the prayer of life, in the life of Jesus where Jesus will, will call out to God, where he just cries out to God, and sometimes that's crying out for healing. Like in the case of, of Mark chapter 7, right before Jesus touches and heals a blind man, he, he pauses, Mark says he looks up into heaven and he calls out to God, be opened. He, he's crying out to God, acknowledging where this power is coming from. And so he pauses, he looks up to heaven and says, be opened. In Matthew chapter 27, we talked about this last week, Jesus on the cross. A very vulnerable, overwhelming moment that, that's not relatable to any of us. We will acknowledge that, right? Not relatable to any of us, but in that moment we see Jesus is, is on the cross. And what does he do? He cries out to God on the cross. And he says, Father, Abba, Father, where are you? I know where you are, but oh, this is heavy. This is heavy, this burden, this weight. In Mark chapter 14, leading up to the moments on the cross, another extremely vulnerable moment 
a moment where Jesus brings the disciples into the garden, and, and I'm always struck by the words that he brings them to the garden to pray because his soul is overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? I mean, again, we can't relate to what Jesus is going through specifically, but we can relate to that feeling, right? And Jesus says, I, I need you guys to pray. My soul is overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with grief. Would you pray with me? And then he goes and, and, and secludes himself and he asks God. And he vulnerably asks God, take this cup from me. Would you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but your will be done. In Luke 23, as Jesus is on the cross, he calls out to God. He cries out to God and prays for others. God, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Just forgive them. We see these moments in the prayer of, in the life of Jesus where there's major life moments. You know, we always feel obligated to pray during the major life moments, right? Before making a big decision, before we decide a big major life moment, we, we feel obligated to pray about that. And Jesus prayed in the major life moments, and moments leading up to when he calls the disciples that are going to follow him in Luke chapter 6. Luke tells us that Jesus spends the whole evening before that praying. He is praying and looking for God's guidance and direction as he is about to go and call 12, 12 men, random young men to come and follow him on this crazy journey. In Luke chapter 9, this was a big major life moment, not relatable for us again, but in the life of Jesus, the moment of the transfiguration. And as Jesus is praying on this mountaintop with just a few disciples, as he is praying to God, he is transformed before their very eyes, showing the disciples who this is and where he gets his power from, who he gets his power from. And he's praying in this major life moment as the disciples realize, whoa, this is legit. This is real. This is big. And then we see examples in the prayer of the life of Jesus. In the life of Jesus, we see these long, extensive prayers. Right? In John 17, man, go read that again, by the way. John 17 is just a blessing to read where, where Jesus is praying over what seems like a, a pretty decent length of time. And he is praying for all kinds of things. He is praying that, that he would be glorified. That God would glorify him so that God would be glorified. Jesus prays, may I be glorified, Father through you and in you, and may you be glorified in and through me. And then Jesus shifts over to praying for the disciples. He recognizes how difficult this is and is going to be for them, and so he spends time praying for them. And then, what I really love, he prays for us, for you and I. In John 17, he prays for the future of the church, he prays for future followers of Jesus, for you and I. He prays that we would be united, that we would be one cohesive unit so that the world will know him. When the world looks at us, they would know Jesus. Jesus prays for that. We see this long, extensive prayer. And then, as we look at the prayer life of Jesus, we notice that Jesus, too, got up, early in the morning, before the sun comes up, 
It's just so appealing, isn't it? I just want to do it so much. I just want to get better at that. He gets up before the sun and he goes to a solitary, secluded place and he just starts his day by praying to God, talking to God before he embarks on this this new day of ministry and of being God in the flesh. He spends time centering his heart with the Father's heart. Friends, this is just a glimpse. We could go on and on, but this is just a glimpse. This is what prayer in the life of Jesus looked like. And as we move into the second part of the message where we start to look at our journey, where we look at our own journey and acknowledge how we might be able to grow in this area, in this area of of passionate prayer, I want to ask you again. You had your kind of preconceived notions at the beginning, right? what passionate prayer looks like. Then we looked at the life of Jesus. So I want to ask you again, what does passionate prayer look like to you? What does it look like to you? As you look at the life of Jesus and as you just get a glimpse, a small glimpse as to how Jesus prayed and when Jesus prayed and why Jesus prayed and and how Jesus prayed, as you look at that and as you think about your own life, do you find this relatable Do you find some of these moments relatable? Because as as I'm thinking about my day in the life, and a day in the, nobody wants to see a day in the life in here because it's just a big bag of crazy, right? And it's just all over the place. And I know I'm not alone in that, right? But it's just crazy and it's noisy and it's nonstop and it's here, there, and everywhere. And, And I find that that I offer these little prayers to God throughout the day that at the moment, in the moment, they don't feel all that significant. It's just like, oh, I gotta stop right now and do this or I'm not gonna be able to get through this kind of a thing. And then I'm looking at the life of Jesus and I'm thinking, that's kind of what Jesus did. That's kind of how Jesus prayed. I think about a normal day in my prayer life, which is rarely structured, It's rarely structured, even though I long for it to be, and it looks more sporadic and random. It looks more like this. It looks more like if I'm sitting alone and eating my breakfast, I just pause and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this breakfast. Thank you that I can eat a healthy breakfast. I don't always choose to eat a healthy breakfast, but thank you, Lord, that I have access to a healthy breakfast. Thank you, Lord, for Karen, who always eats a healthy breakfast. And I look at her breakfast, and I'm like, oh, I should eat a healthy breakfast like that. And so I do. I copy Karen's meal ideas a lot because she's so healthy. I, I pray as, I'm, as I drop my kids off at school, and I don't do this very often anymore just because our schedules have changed. But, man, I, I used to drop them off every day. And as I would drop them off at school and I'd look in the rearview mirror, I would just pray desperately, God, be with my children right? God be with them. Lord, be with Nora and blank and what what she's got going on in her day. Lord, please be with her and, and just help her to know that you're near. Lord, be with Jonah and as he's going through blank and just be with him and help him to know that you are near. A lot of times it looks like, God, would you help me with this conversation that I have to have with this person? Because I feel like it's going to be difficult. I feel like I'm not going to really know how to navigate. Would you just help me and give me the wisdom? Or, God, this feels like such a big, overwhelming decision that I'm about to make. Would you please give me some discernment? Because I have no idea what to do. 
Or, or sometimes it's, Lord, thank you for healing so-and-so. Lord, thank you for being with Brett today. Thank you for, for touching Brett and healing Brett. Thank you, God, that you were there for Brett, that you encouraged Brett. I prayed that a lot this week, right? Lord, thank you for speaking to so-and-so. Thank you that they heard you and they, they were encouraged by you, Lord, for your glory. God, to your glory that was done. I pray things like, Lord, would you go with me into the grocery store? Because I don't want to get aggravated at people in the grocery store. I want to be Jesus to the people in the grocery store. Lord, would you help me when I'm standing in line to just not get on my phone? I pray that. I pray, Lord, help me to not, when I pull my phone out, convict me and tell me to put it away so that I can pay attention to the people around me. Lord, would you help? That doesn't feel like a holy prayer. I'm just going to tell you. Nobody ever talked about praying while you're in the grocery store when I was a kid. No one talked about that. It doesn't feel holy or sacred. It feels ridiculous and I have to pray that I won't stand on my phone in the grocery line. And I just probably revealed some of my, you know, that to you because we all do that and it's just embarrassing. Lord, Give me the words for this moment because this person is coming to me and they're looking for wisdom and I don't really know what to tell them. Would you speak through me? Or, Lord, I'm sorry that I missed your voice earlier. Jesus, I am sorry that I wasn't listening to you earlier. It was so noisy and loud and I wasn't paying attention and I missed it and I'm sorry. Lord, would you forgive me? Or, God, there is so much going on in my life God, there is so much going on in the lives of those around me. Lord, would you help me to see what you're doing? Would you help me to, to, to fix my eyes on you so that we don't miss you? And that's a prayer that I might actually pray with my eyes open so that I don't miss what he wants me to do, right? Did you ever notice, by the way, I didn't come up with this myself. I read this week. Did you ever notice that you don't ever see Jesus close his eyes to pray? In fact, you don't really, it's never really acknowledged in Scripture, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've read, that it's not even acknowledged in Scripture that anyone closes their eyes to pray. And yet we see the exact opposite when, when the gospel writers talk about Jesus. A lot of times it's Jesus looked up into heaven. With eyes wide open, Jesus looked up and prayed. I just wonder if we're so fixated on bowing our head and closing our eyes. I get it, distractions and all that. Like, I get why we do it. I understand. But just don't forget that you can pray with your eyes open so that you don't miss what God is doing or what God is showing you. I pray desperate prayers where I do literally look up at the ceiling, peering through the ceiling, desperately looking for God in his direction. And I say, God, would you help me? Sometimes that's it. The prayer is, God, would you just help me? I don't know what to do. God, would you give me the strength to get through this? I don't know what to do. Lord, I need your strength. The point I'm trying to make this morning is this. That for Jesus, according to what we see in Scripture, for Jesus... Praying before, during, and after, and in between the big moments of life was as normal for Jesus as breathing. And there is so much to say about prayer. Like, listen, there is just not much that overwhelms me more than trying to plan a 30-minute sermon uh, regarding prayer. What is that? <laughs> I'm having a terabeth moment right now. <laughs> There's something flying around my head. 
I, I, a lot of times I, I find that it's difficult to talk about prayer in 30 minutes when there is so much to say about prayer. The importance of it, the necessity of it, the power of it, what we shouldn't be doing when we're praying, because Jesus says a lot about that too, right? Don't be prideful. Don't ramble on and on to make yourself sound good and look good. Don't just pray the same memorized prayer over and over again just to be redundant even though there's no meaning. Like we know what not to do. But it's really hard to narrow it down for you this morning knowing that there's so much that could be said. But can I just share with you what I'm being challenged by lately? What I'm learning lately as I'm really thinking about prayer? Listen, structured prayer is important. I am not saying that we should not have structured times of prayer. What I am saying is that we can get so caught up in the structure of prayer, the bowing of the heads and the closing eyes, the be quiet, be still, right? That we can miss the importance of prayer being a nonstop, open-ended conversation with God. One that doesn't officially start or end, But it's an ongoing, open-ended, sometimes you don't even say anything. It's just, "Mm," right? Sometimes it's just, you can't, it's not, you can't, it's not verbal. (laughs) Because it's just coming out, right? Dallas Willard, he says this. I really liked this. Some of you may not like this, but, but just think about it for a second. Dallas Willard says, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Did you ever feel like you would hear from the platform, don't develop a prayer life. (laughs) He says, don't seek to develop a prayer life, seek a praying life. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll just end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. And eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. But a praying life is a life that is situated in prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. We return back to Paul's words. Pray continually. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Whenever, however, wherever, with whomever. I think what Paul meant was that he wanted us to live as Jesus lived, in unending connection and communion with the Heavenly Father, whether alone or with others, whether silent or in speech. Friends, it's not that we have to pray all the time. It's not that you should leave this place feeling guilty because the pastor said, Paul said, pray continually, but you get to. You get to talk to God any time. He is always with you. You're never alone. And sometimes you don't even have to use words. Is that refreshing to you? Is that encouraging to you? As we move into the final movement of this passage segment, or of this sermon, segment of the sermon, how does passionate prayer lead us into the world? What does this have to do with other people's, with other people, sorry. And I just want to tell you this morning, I'm going to keep it really simple. And that is, make it a regular habit to pray for people and with people. Do both regularly. 
If we can lean on Jesus just a little bit more this morning, Jesus reveals to us that the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord our God and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, I'm reading this fantastic book called What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? And the author of this book, he's, Sky Jatani is his name, and he says, when we pray for people, the two greatest commandments are fulfilled. We are actively loving the person we are praying for by carrying him or her into God's presence, which really is the greatest thing we could do for a person. And we are loving our Lord by expressing our dependence upon him as well as our trust in his character. A quick example came to mind as I was thinking about that. There's just nothing that can take the place of of a moment where you're just kind of not doing anything and the Lord puts someone on your heart. And you just feel overwhelmed to pray for that person. That happened to me not too long ago or a couple years ago. I was just thinking about a friend and and the Lord just put her on my heart and I could not stop thinking about her. So I just started praying for her. I didn't know why she was so heavy on my heart, but I started praying for her. I didn't know of anything that was going on in her life at that moment. And then I felt led to just text her and tell her that I was praying for her. And I don't always do that. I want to do that, but I don't always do that. So I I sent her a quick text and I said, hey, I don't know why, but you're on my heart this morning and I just wanted you to know I was praying for you. And she immediately calls me and she is in tears. She's bawling her eyes out and she says, I just got fired from my job. And I just, I, I had no words. I had no words because there was no way of knowing that that just happened to her. But I said, well, God wants you to know that he is with you, that he is walking with you through this and that he hasn't forgotten you, right? Pray for people when you feel that nudge. Pray for people. And then we are reminded of the importance of praying with people. When you feel that nudge to pray with someone, don't pass by that moment. I've passed by it so many times and I regret it so much. I'll never forget another time we were at the grocery store and there was a lady that had been attending our church off and on. There was a lot going on in her life and and part of the reason that she couldn't come to church is because she was often at this grocery store working and there was one Sunday morning where I was going to get donuts for church and I was on a mission. You know how we are on Sunday mornings, Christians. (laughs) We're on a mission and don't get in my way because I got to get to church. (laughs) I got to get these donuts to to the Christians at the church, right? And so I'm like, aggravated and in a hurry and trying to hurry. I've got a kid with me at least because I remember Nora talking to me afterwards and and this lady was in the checkout line. And so I was like, oh, I want to stand here and talk to her, but I got to get the donuts to the church. And I was just checking on her and she just, you know, I could tell she was overwhelmed and not wanting to be there. And she's like, oh, I wish I could be at church with you this morning. And I just didn't know what to do. And so I just was like, do you want to pray? Do you want to pray right now? And, and she was like, okay. And I could tell Nora was like, what is happening? We're praying in the middle of a grocery store? And then we left, and Nora asked me about that and was like, that was kind of weird. <laughs> and I, I found myself feeling guilty and sad that my child thought it was weird that we pray with people in the grocery store when the Holy Spirit tells you to pray with people in the grocery store, right? I don't recommend that for a stranger. I mean, you got to be really certain. So I don't recommend that for a stranger necessarily, but... Sometimes we can be so on a mission that we forget to pray with people. Jesus prayed for people and with people, and he was available always. 
All right, I'm gonna ask the praise team to come back up. And this is where I originally planned to stop this sermon this morning. The problem is we're not having Sunday school right now. And so during the Sunday school hour, I was reading more of this book and I came across something that I just had to share with you. So I'm gonna ask if I can borrow just a few more minutes than normal this morning. I was reading this book and as I'm thinking about prayer and, and how we tend to focus on the structured, you know, serious moments that are designated for prayer. And the author of this book, he says, we ought to be cautious about seeking higher or more spiritual forms of prayer, and we ought to be downright suspicious of those promising to teach us special paths unavailable to just ordinary people. In other words, a lot of times we are so focused on the sacred and the, the ritual and the, what it should look like that we box it in and we make it to where other people feel like, well, I can't do that. I must really stink and not be worthy of this whole Christian thing because I can't do that. And so, so Sky Jatani, the author, he, he references this painting by Van Gogh. And he shared this in this book. He says, did you know that Van Gogh, when he was a young man, he, was, he served as a missionary among coal miners in Belgium. Did anyone know that about Van Gogh? When he was young, he was a missionary with coal miners. And, and, and being a missionary among coal miners, it left him with this deep admiration for the working poor. He says, they did not comprehend deep theology and most did not practice acceptable forms of piety, but they possessed God with a raw authenticity very different from the stiff religious stuff that Van Gogh had known since his childhood. And so, so Van Gogh, he produced this charcoal drawing in 1882 that captures how he felt for the coal miners that he served. You see this painting? It features an elderly man in a chair near a fire with his face buried in his peasant hands. And this painting is called At Eternity's Gate. And it's the portrait of a peasant's prayer. And in a letter about this painting, Vincent wrote, this is far from theology Simply the fact that the poorest little woodcutter or peasant on the earth can have moments of emotion and inspiration which gave him a feeling of an eternal home to which is near. I think Van Gogh understood something extremely important about prayer that you and I might often and easily miss. And that is that powerful prayer is available to the ordinary, simple, and even ignorant people. As we move into a time of prayer and response, and we're going to sing this song called, Lord, I Need You, I just wonder this morning, could we put that picture back up just for a second? And I just wonder this morning if you find yourself feeling like that man, <laughs> like that coal miner who's just got his head in his hands, and I would just be willing to guess that sometimes he just felt like he didn't have the words to say. And yet I'm, faith, I'm filled with faith and, and believe that God met him regardless. And so this morning as we, as we prepare our hearts to respond and as we sing this song that's so incredibly appropriate 
Lord, I need you. I just want to let you know that if this is your posture this morning, this man in this chair, that is okay. And that your moment with God is sacred and holy regardless of how structured and and sacred as it feels. So let's pray together this morning. And I just want to encourage you to come into the presence of God as you are. Church, don't you dare try to fix yourself up and and formulate the perfect words to say in this moment. Just come as you are before the Lord. If that means dirty, broken, head in the hands, if that is your posture this morning, come. This morning, if if you are just feeling over it, and you're skeptical, and you're angry, and you're just frustrated, come. This morning, if you're feeling tired, you're weary, you're overwhelmed, you don't have any words, and you don't want to have any words, just come. For those of you who are just frustrated because nothing is what it used to be, this new life is just ridiculous. I want the good old days. I want what once was. Would you just come? Would you come willing to see what God wants to show you right here and right now? God, we humbly enter into your presence and into this time of of prayer. God, while we have designated this as a structured time of prayer, we acknowledge, Lord, that you invite us into your presence always. And you invite us to offer whatever it is that's on our hearts You invite us to give that to you with the promise that you will be there with us. So God, we offer up these words and this moment to you, acknowledging that, Lord, we profoundly need you. And God, I thank you for giving us an imagination this morning of what prayer can and does look like. And that it's okay. And that you just love us and you want to hear from us. Lord, we need you. We love you. Speak to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand with me if you'd like. You can stay seated whatever posture you're more comfortable in.
Lord God, we thank you for your goodness and your love that never fails to meet us right where we are. God, we thank you for hearing us, for seeing us. And God, we just pray that you would just continue to move in our hearts. Help us to see you in the ordinary moments of everyday life and help us to make it a regular practice to acknowledge you and to speak to you in those ordinary moments. God, give us an imagination of what a a life of communion with you looks like. God, we thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was unintentional, but just know this morning that your prayer life can look as chaotic as the sermon did at times. (laughs) And that's okay, that sometimes it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to feel sacred and, and like you have everything together. But the good news is that God hears you and God is with you. And for that, we rejoice this morning. We rejoice. Well, I want to share a few quick announcements with you before we leave this morning. Uh, We're going to keep telling you about this until it's time for it to be um, over with, but we're still collecting for the baby bottles for the Mosaic Baby Bottle Campaign uh, with Mosaic Pregnancy Center. So continue collecting that change, and and we'll receive those back from you in a few weeks. And um, as of now, I believe the Lunch Bunch plans to meet this Wednesday, but if that changes, uh, just keep an eye on your email. We'll be sure to let you know if if anything changes. Um, We'll let you know about that, okay? All right. Well, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior and that you would make it a regular practice to talk with him all throughout your day, all this week, and see how he shows up and moves in your midst. Don't forget to watch for him. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.